Welcome to the October 26th edition of the PFF Forecast. I'm George. I've got Brad and Seth. It is a Wednesday night Seth doubleheader. Uh, we've got Tej Seth coming up to close us out with our lock of the week. And back again by popular demand is Judah Fort Gang. We're going to talk live betting strategy and some uh, alt lines to bet this week. It's going to be a fun podcast. Let's rock. Seth, I understand that you're copying Peyton and Eli and uh, and Barack Obama with the with the quarter zip that you have. Is that was that the inspiration for you? I told I look, I want the listeners to understand that I what I'm about to say, I told George and Brad in private <laughs> before we started recording that I'm wearing a quarter zip right now because I got a hummus stain on my t-shirt that I'm wearing underneath. I was having a little nice, you know, uh, baby carrots and hummus mm-hmm. snack. And it, it, some hummus got loose. It happens. The best it, it does happen. Where does uh, where does hummus and carrots? Uh, where does it get drafted in the list of healthy snacks? I think it's like, it, I think it's it's in a, it's in the top twenty somewhere. I mean, anything with hummus is gonna is gonna bumps bump up uh, mm-hmm. any type of vegetable, right? So somewhere in the top twenty. Is popcorn a healthy snack? Because I'd take that number one. I think this is that's the trendiest healthy snack right yeah, now. Yeah, definitely is. Yeah. Smart, uh, smart pop. Brad, where, what do you have? What's going number one? Uh, number one in the healthy snack game. Hummus is definitely high on the list, but I would probably go. I'm a simpleton, just like a nice apple and peanut butter, just right down the middle. Keep it simple. Okay, that's. I don't even know. I feel like we could do a draft, but there's so many things in health in the healthy snack realm. Maybe we maybe we say that for the end. Um, let's uh, let's get after this uh, Thursday night. As usual, Seth joins us. He um, does some amazing work for us. If you're a new member of the printing press, just joining us, Seth prepares both Kirk and Chris for Thursday and Sunday night football. And in doing so, accumulates a massive amount of knowledge about the game of football that no one else can compare to, which means he's here to answer the big questions like, where should Justin Herbert be appropriately ranked amongst quarterbacks in the NFL? (laughs) You know, I'm going to end up being the Herbert guy twice over mm. because, you know, famously, I did not what like did you, his. Yeah. What did you say? Can you tell the people what you said about Herbert? I said he finished? couldn't play at Oregon, famously. Mm-hmm. And then you watch the rookie season, you watch year two, clearly not a fluke. I mean, this guy is as as good of a quarterback as we've seen um, up there, tier one quarterback. And and now he's obviously not playing well year three. So I went in the complete opposite direction, calling him a tier one quarterback over this past offseason, saying the Chargers are going to win the division. They're going to win the Super Bowl. So now I'm the Herbert guy in the other way as they continue to kind of flounder around as the cursed franchise that they are. I, I don't see a single good Herbert take on, uh, on the timeline. Emmanuel Acho is out here. I don't know that he's watched a single Chargers snap this season um, and is is going off 
We've got people putting him in the top three. We've got people putting him in at 15. It, it's ridiculous. Here's my take, guys, on, on the Herbert thing. It ain't his fault. It ain't his fault. Give him a real offense to run. Um, I, I will say that offense, I mean, the Saints offense this year has been kind of okay with Andy Dalton mm-hmm. and some some weeks with James Winston, but that, you know, people have gone from under Sean Payton, Joe Lombardi, and now Pete Carmichael there. It, it's It seems to not be the coaching tree you want coaching a young quarterback. No. No, it does not. Thursday Night Football, we have a young quarterback and a very old quarterback, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, going to Tampa Bay to play the very banged up Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, it is currently, as I see it, Bucks minus one. Now, this has gone kind of all over the place. I saw um, uh, Baltimore favored by one, one and a half uh, earlier in the week. When we talked early uh, on Sunday night, Brad, it was what Tampa by three, Tampa by two and a half um, in some places. So it hasn't crossed a key number, uh, but it is clear that the public is, uh, or not the public, but the market is out on the Tampa Bay Bucks and is, is finally ready to throw in the towel on them. They're not favored at home with Tom Brady. Um, I don't know when the last time uh, that has ever happened. And you have a Ravens team that um, is four and three. Lamar Jackson started off the season really incredibly he's kind of petered out he actually has a lower pff grade than tom brady heading into this game i will mention that you should go check out the pff app and you can see exactly where pff's uh, models have this as well as our best bets and there's one involving lamar jackson uh that you might check out a lot of good prop bets there um so go down that go download geez uh that on the uh ios app store by searching pff seth where would you like to start with Ravens box. Uh, how can you not start with, I, I, I say this every week, but how can you not start with the quarterback? And in this case, Tom Brady, because I just, you watch him and you, we have to remember that he's 45 years old and it, any, any, it could be the end. Like there's no telling that, that any week could be kind of like the end or, or this, any season, I guess we could say is kind of the end. And I feel that way when I watch him, it, there, there's a lot of, 2020 Drew Brees in there. There's a lot of 2015 Peyton Manning. There's 2020, 2021 Ben Roethlisberger in there. Mm. I think you get to a point where, and especially with the Buccaneers having turnover in the interior of their offensive line over this offseason, even though Shaq Mason, who they signed, has been a, is a good player. They he You're sitting there, you're 45 years old, and you don't want to get hit, and I get that. I'm 34. I don't want to get hit. Right. <laughs> so like, like, so I understand that his average time to throw is 2.25 seconds. That is absolutely unreal. Like we've never heard of that number before. So it's in a sense, it's speeding up his process, but they're calling the same plays. It's not like every play is a, is a play to get the ball designed to get out at two, 2.25 seconds. But what happens is you have these plays that they're running, and we can remember that even though Brady does get the ball out quickly over his career, and certainly in the time with Tampa Bay, never this quickly, but these were deeper concepts, and let's say they were running in in New England. His average depth of target has gone up. So now you're calling the same plays, but he in his mind, he's got to go. And you're getting 
slightly worse accuracy. Uh, his passing grade under 10 yards is the worst in his career, basically. So, you know, you're seeing it in those areas. Now, has he made over the past two, three weeks, even in the losses, some incredible throws down the field? Yeah. But it's the it's the down-to-down consistent throws that are not there right now. Do you believe Tom Brady, because he is Tom Brady, can figure it out? And given the surrounding cast, which is pretty good, can figure it out? Yes, but we said that about Ben. We said it about Peyton. We said it about Breeze. Like, these guys kind of just fall off. And, and I think we, I mean, I'm sure on PFF.com, there's some studies that we've done that we published on on older quarterbacks kind of falling off the cliff that last year. So I want to believe it'll turn around because it, it, it's Tom Brady. But mm, I... Uh, it, it's it's um it's a you know it's red alert right now. Where where do you place the blame? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple of data points here that I think point to some people other than Tom Brady. The first is the percentage of pass plays against which the Tampa Bay Bucks faces perfect coverage. Now, why would I mention that? Because it turns out that this is something that is more consistent across offenses than it is defenses. In other words. You are not getting open, okay? The the opposing defenders are stuck to your guys across the board. That's what perfect coverage is. In the NFL this season, there is there are four teams that have separated themselves as being uh, offenses that face the most perfect coverage. The Carolina Panthers are number one with an absolute bullet. Doesn't surprise me. Interestingly, the Washington Commanders are third, and then the Green Bay Packers and Tampa Bay Bucks. Or, or uh, sorry, uh, second, or the Packers and Bucks are third and fourth. Okay, so I look at that and I go, "That's interesting." Tom Brady is he responsible for guys not getting open? And then secondarily, what if I told you that the Tampa Bay Bucks actually have a more efficient passing offense using expected points added per play than the Baltimore Ravens? So you know, is it all Tom Brady's fault? Is that really the, the big problem, or is it that the Bucks are like the worst rushing offense in the entire league? And yet they they refuse to stop running the ball. Where do you place that blame? Is it all Brady or is it Leftwich and what this offense that the rest of the offense is doing? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. Obviously, with the receiving core, they've had injuries. They've had the suspension to Mike Evans. They've had their retirement to Gronkowski and the tight ends just haven't played very well. Um, it, replacing him and that that has led to. So there's a funny thing that's gone on with the with the run game. You mentioned the worst run game in the NFL, basically. So Leonard Fournette gets all these snaps. First down, second down, third down. He is their running back. I, I couldn't tell you why. Brady loves him, whatever. Have fun. But what's happening is they can't run these downhill runs that usually go behind the tight end. They call them their duo runs. And the tight ends are getting killed on the line of scrimmage. Absolutely killed, whether it's Otten or Brady. Um, um, Cole Keefe, I guess, is, is okay, but he's still a rookie. And, you know, even Godwin now is a player that isn't the best run blocker as he's been in the past. So they're getting killed on these downhill runs, which is what Leonard Fournette needs to, to have. He needs to be able to go north-south because he can't really do much else. So what's ha- happening is they're saying, okay, well, we can't run behind these tight ends. So what are we going to do? We're going to run more outside zone. You can't put Leonard Fournette in outside zone. He doesn't have the wiggle, the vision, the cutback ability. Like, he doesn't have any of that. So, the, you can't run the football. You believe you can run the football. Obviously, we, I'm sure you guys have talked about this for years on the PFF forecast. Um, but, 
you know, they refuse to just like kind of change things up, I guess, or run more play action, just run the ball less. They are pulling guys a little bit, running more power and counter to kind of help that. But really, I mean, Fournette is to me the, one of the main issues. Obviously, they can't, they're not great at, at run blocking either, but Fournette being on the field as much as he is has been a really Really big issue for them. The separating stuff, uh, I, I'll tell you, it didn't pop out of me when I watched the film. I think that's a great stat. It didn't pop out of me when I when I watched the film. Um, like Godwin's coming off the ACL. I, like I said, the tight ends have just not been great. And maybe Evans, I think is, Evans probably gets mislabeled as a contested catch guy when he's just an all-around guy. But maybe he's just not having that type of season. So yeah, it's everything, and like so, it's it's all three. It's the running game. It's Leftwich. It's it's Brady. It's the receivers. But it's like, okay, well, are we going to fix that? Is that just something that's going to get fixed Thursday night, or they're going to go to three and five? Like you know, that that to me, I guess, was is the concern. Like whatever the the issues are that, and we can you know talk for an hour and figure out what they are. Are they going to get fixed for Thursday night? Brad, a lot of injuries. Uh, what what's the current status here for the Bucks? It, I saw something that was like half their team is out. Super injured, which I think is interesting that the spread has now, like you said, no key numbers, but for them to go from to plus one and a half to minus one, as of right now, they have neither Carlton Davis nor Sean Murphy bunting in the secondary, uh, no Russell Gage, D- game time decision for Julio, which, you know, who knows what that even means at this point. Uh, left guard Luke Gadecki, who, you know, has kind of been filtered out of the lineup a little bit when he struggled, um, but still is their starting left guard is not playing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a long list of injuries. Baltimore's biggest is no Calais Campbell, which does matter, maybe helps the run game a little bit for Tampa Bay, but a longer list for Tampa, which is kind of weird given the you know the spread movement. Yeah, and, and um, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. out, right, with a, a concussion. Um, so they are super banged up. You know, interestingly, on the, on the other side of, of things, you think about the Ravens, and their strength, you know, Lamar Jackson has really improved as a passer um, and has become uh, – their passing game is legit. But you think about the Ravens, you think about the run game. Vita Vea, who's been consistently really great for the Bucks on the other side of things, lowest grade of his career, 54.5 right now. So you think about all those injuries, a lot of them are on the defensive side of the ball, Seth. How does this matchup then look for the Ravens? I mean, a lot of – I think just about everybody has the Ravens in this game. Um, it seems like everyone's given up on on Tom Brady and the Bucks defense. Um, have you? And, and like, how do you see the the Ravens offense faring this game? Well, you know, the injuries are to me the most important thing here because so already the Buccaneers like to load the box. They like to show you that they're going to play with one high safety. They have changed things a bit after the Green Bay game, who took advantage of their kind of defensive structure. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of behind the linebackers off play action in front of that deeper safety. So the the issue. So then you get into a situation where you're gonna you play that type of coverage. You're you're gonna have a lot of one on ones in on the outside, and we know that this can be a weakness for the Ravens. So to me, that's the, kind of the key matchup. Is like, can the Ravens receivers win these one on ones? Carlton Davis not playing. Jamal Dean having a good season, but you know the rookie played last week. Zion McCollum. Uh, athletic testing for him was off the charts this, uh, at the combine, but still a rookie. Uh, a lot of couple plays against the Panthers last week. D. Delaney, I guess, is going to play in the slot over Antoine Winfield. That's not great because 
the Ravens' best players in the slot in Mark Andrews. So that to me is really the the where the matchup I think can be won. Like you said, they can. It's possible that the Ravens also just run the ball very well because, like you said, Vita Vea is just not. You know, I think one on one against the center, he's still getting a little bit of push, but he's getting kind of beat on a lot of double teams. So, you know, and I don't want to get we don't have to get into the details, but I don't love playing a five man like a, a, a like an old school three four mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with a nose against an option running team like the Ravens are. I think you can get caught two inside as they run outside. So you're you Vitave is going to have to take on a lot of double teams. And and deal with it that way and, and down blocks stuff like that again hasn't been that great. So they can if they can just run the ball and then that's great. But I think if if it's going to be like a uh, if the if the Bucks can stop them a little bit, then it's really going to be the outside receivers winning a one on one. Which honestly we've been talking about the Ravens for years. Like just give me a guy who commands some sort of double team. So when they you know you don't let them play, uh, you let a team play with a loaded box against you. So talking a little bit about their their passing game, um, you know, it's funny. Lamar Jackson's 3.2 seconds uh, average time to throw, almost a full second longer than Tom Brady. Obviously, that makes sense why that's the case. But um, I think one of the more polarizing people out there uh, is Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator. Obviously, you know, infamously has, you know, unlocked a lot of potential with Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick back in the day, but also gets, you know, a lot of flack for his lack of, you know, really creativity on the outside. You see receivers run into each other and just not a lot of kind of layered concepts and different things. You know, speak to, let's say they do get down in this game. They can't just lean on the run game. What can they do and how can they win? You know, because Rashad Bateman isn't really, I want to say he didn't practice today. He's not a sure thing to play in this game either. Yeah, and I, I think like every time I watch the Bucks defense, I say that the same, I, I just see it and I, and I see the same thing. And like I said, they've switched some stuff up since the, since the Packers game, kind of moving safeties around a little bit more, um, confusion in the secondary in terms of confusing the offense before the snap. But at the end of the day, like that level between the linebackers and safety off, off play action is where you want to go. But that's not necessarily the the Ravens game. You know, it's even their even their play actions are really to get the ball kind of more down the field uh on over routes and stuff. And rather than these quick, you know, these kind of we call them like short post glance routes or something like that. So it doesn't really add up in us to a certain degree um now again you can still win with the plays that the the ravens are calling um but i think like structurally it doesn't it's not a quote-unquote a winning matchup um and just on greg roman i think that i, I think it's it's a it's a fascinating offense that they run and it's a fascinating idea to think about well what if you put a lamar jackson in cliff kingsbury's offense where it's kind of the complete opposite in terms of wanting to run the option. You know, the, the Cardinals run the option almost as much as the Ravens do, but it's from these spread looks, two by two slot formations, no tight ends on the field, um, you know, four receivers on the field up until this past season. You know, you wonder if spread to run is really, and, and I know a lot of studies have shown that spreading sideline to sideline helps you run the football and it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's good, um, discussion to be had about greg roman i'm not i'm I'm not pro and i'm not anti greg roman i'm like very greg roman neutral because i like a lot of stuff that they do it's fun it's creative they use a lot of motion they're getting guys good angles uh in the run game it can lead to 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 a stagnant passing game like you said sometimes you're like is it coached well because guys are running into each other so that would be the issue but um 
yeah, I think there's ways that they can take advantage of the Bucks, but um, again, just like Green Bay did, Green Bay ran the same play like five times and they had success. So hopefully, the hopefully they watch that game to the game film. We'll get to Green Bay here in a second. Let's get this one wrapped up here. Biggest mismatch that you see on the field, Seth. And yeah. uh, last week you called. We talked about DeAndre Hopkins, baby. And so uh, we we nailed that one. That was a lock of the century. Hopefully, you lead us in a good direction this week. Uh, well, the, the matchup, like I said, is is outside the numbers. Rookie corner, a rookie slot corner in in uh, sorry, second year slot corner D Delaney versus Mark Andrews and the and the Ravens receiving core. So I think that matchup is the one to watch there. I think that could be a, a tough matchup for the for the Bucks. My bets love any type of Fournette under, especially receiving yards or catches 29 and a half receiving yards. I think it's four and a half catches. Cause I just believe that they're going to have to go to Rashad white at some point. It's it just not working with Fournette. And you saw some more Rashad white. He had a few carries against, against Carolina had some juice, had a nice run. Um, I just think eventually they're going to need something. Now I'm not like maybe not on third down. Cause maybe they trust um, Fournette as a pass protector, but eventually Rashad white's going to have to get some burn. Brad, where are you going? Yeah, uh, I think we'll be discussing the the Lenny stuff a bunch tonight. Um, so I was thinking Cade Otten under 29 and a half receiving yards. Um, he has been getting a little bit more burn. He actually leads rookie tight ends right now in targets and receiving yards. But, you know, kind of an empty stat. Uh, you know, I think Greg Dolchich in Denver might pass that in a couple games. But um, he's been relatively productive. But I just don't love it against these, these Raven safeties. Um, a lot of the things they do. Um, I, and I also think that. You know, they're going to try to get Mike Evans going again. He dropped that big touchdown pass last week. I just, I don't think it's a feed Kate Otten type of game, you know, when I look at it. I like those. Uh, emotionally, I want to bet Brady in the Bucks, uh when everyone is down and out on them. But I actually could see it going deeper. Like I could see it getting worse before it gets better, to be, to be really honest with you. And one of the things that Brady just can't overcome is ridiculous amount of injury. So I'm going elsewhere. I have a couple that I love. I love Rashad White over 16 and a half receiving yards for that exact reason, Seth. Um, and uh, that the simple fact that, you know, Brady gets rid of the ball so quickly. I think I, I agree with you. I think they got to give Rashad White some run. I'm not seeing a lot of Mark Andrews props out there, but I'm guessing his, his catch total will be six and a half, seven and a half. I'll take the over there um, as well on Andrews. But here might be my favorite. Chris Godwin over six and a half receptions. They're going to be down. He's going to play in the slot a bunch. And you think about what the Ravens have, you know, from a corner perspective, obviously Humphrey on the outside, really good. I don't think that he's going to go, you know, follow, um, uh, uh, follow Chris Godwin around with Mike Evans out there. And you look at who they've been playing in the slot with Demarion Williams, who has a 40 PFF grade, a 37.3 coverage grade. That is 108th out of 112 cornerbacks. Chris Godwin over six and a half receptions. This feels to me like DeAndre Hopkins over five and a half. Not quite, I think, to that level, but but close. Um, how do you feel about those, Seth, by the way? You feel good? No, well, I mean, look, the Rashad White over, I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. So I'm, I might add that to my uh, to your list. list here. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's go Sunday night. This is, again, we have Brady as an underdog at home. 
we have Rodgers as a mighty underdog um, on the road here. But this is the number is it's staggering. Honestly, they are an 11 and a half point underdog in Buffalo. They're three and four. They are two and five against the spread. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but Aaron Rodgers, as he likes to do, goes on uh, on Pat McAfee's show, speaks his mind and basically said to sum it up. A lot of these other scrubs out here on my team suck. They're not playing well. They shouldn't be playing because they're not playing well. And oh, by the way, I'm playing really well. In fact, I just had my best game per my own quarterback coach uh, against Washington and we lost. So it's not my fault. Get better to the rest of the team. Um, I don't know if you're if you're psychoanalyzing this for Chris as well, Seth, but where, where do you want to start with Packers Bills? We did a role play in our meeting on Monday. Mm. Um, I played the therapist. Uh, nice. It, it, it was very healthy. I you have a I, soothing voice. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, again, you know, Roger's just not playing very well. He's also missing some targets. For him, it feels like, and now I know you just told me that the um, the Packers can't separate, but it feels like there are times when they do and he's not still not putting the ball. And you're like, man. And I, I know this is like the whole thing. You know, he's, does he trust the receivers? He doesn't like them. He's like you just said, he's talking, talking, talking about them in the media. So it's like, but man, there are some opportunities to make plays and just kind of run the, the offense where you're not, you know, in a way that you're not, where you're not, he's just not himself right now. The accuracy is not great right now. So I think just kind of, running the offense, letting the floor do a little more of the heavy lifting would help. They've kind of gone away from that uh, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones stuff that they said. Every, <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Maybe this should have been my pet peeve of the week. But the the yearly, yearly talk in the offseason from offensive coordinators, and it doesn't matter what level, honestly, we're going to put our two best players, our running backs, we're going to put them on the field together. What like you just there's they have they do the same thing they generally have mm-hmm. similar skill sets and even 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 a Jones versus Dylan where you're like one guy can maybe catch the ball a little bit more I mean generally they're they're very similar what they do on the football field uh, so putting them both on the field has not worked for them they've kind of stopped it to the, the last last three weeks has only been like eight plays where they've been on the field together after being in double digits for some weeks over the first uh, you know five weeks of the season. So, yeah, I just like the, the Packers offense just needs to kind of not simplify because in a sense they've kind of oversimplified, but just Aaron's got to play within the system. It'd be okay. And, trust the receivers. I mean, you know, interestingly, last week against the Commanders, they – no Randall Cobb, right, his, his main guy. Romeo Dobbs basically forgot his hands in Green Bay – you figure it can't be that bad. But then again, similar to the Bucks, a lot of things that really terrify you about this team, they have a negative EPA per pass play. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, every time he drops back to pass, is getting them further away <laughs> from scoring. I mean, it, that is bonkers to me. I mean, it is bananas. And obviously they're going up against a Bills offense that – it's, it's the Bills and the Chiefs, and then the rest of the league just absolutely stinks out loud with the Eagles playing like half the game at a really high level and then, you know, just deciding to, to throw in the towel. Um, 
The, the Packers, though, also look banged up, right? So the same things we talked about with the Bucks, they're not separating whatever it is, whether it's Rodgers leaving stuff on the field or all those things. Brad, what's the outlook for the Packers in terms of who they're going to have on the field this week? Most depressing quote of maybe the NFL season was Zach Tom, the Packers fourth round rookie talking about David Bakhtiari. And he was like, you always stay ready because you see him at practice and he kind of can't walk around. And so like if you're a tackle on the Packers, you you know, you could play at any moment. It was honestly like a sad quote to see. Um, so I don't know his status. And obviously having Bakhtiari against this, this Bills pass rush would go a very long way. Um, I don't think Christian Watson plays in this game. Uh, uh, you mentioned uh, Randall Cobb. He's out for a couple more weeks. He will not play in this game. The defense, I think, is, is getting healthier. They should be fine on that side of the ball. But you talk about kind of the two halves of Philadelphia. Green Bay in the first half, their defense is great. When it comes to crunch time, their defense is one of the worst defenses in the NFL in the second half. And you can't make that excuse like for Philly where they're kind of letting their foot off the gas because they've already won the game. Green Bay just isn't a good defense when teams need to score and they're losing games late with regularity. Yeah, it's not the Bakhtiari thing is sad because when he's played – He's been he's been very good. The Bills coming off of a uh, a buy here, and obviously you look at the Bills, and one of the things that they do incredibly well is they get pressure with four. You know they have one of they have I think a top five pressure rate. They blitz at a bottom five or, or ten rate. Really impressive what they do there. And you think about setting up the Packers for you know poor passing performance. That's what you get to. So Seth, I guess I'll ask you this. I mean. You, you said you're kind of not sure whether you believe in Brady. Do you believe in Rodgers to get this thing back on on uh, on the rails here? I, I mean, can they keep this within 10 points? Where, where is your head at there? I want to believe they can they can keep it within 10 because that's such a huge number. Like, But, I, you know, I, this might be the first Sunday night game in Buffalo ever. Am I crazy when I say that? Probably up there. I know Miami hosted their first one in like a long time. It happens sometimes. So you, you could be right. So, I mean, you know, and coming off a of bye week, I mean, that, that's going to be rough. That's that's a rough place to go right now. But I think I think with, you know, Rodgers compared to Brady, six years younger, seven years younger, something like that. Now still, I mean, he's still 38. It's not like he's 27. But I think we've also seen if, this, if the issue with Rodgers – is he's being a little too pouty, then that can be corrected. Like if, if Brady's issue is like if you know the arm is just not there anymore, again, I go back to Breeze and Manning and, and Roethlisberger, where it's just the arm just couldn't, they just couldn't throw it anymore. If that's the case with Brady, then it, then it's probably over. But with Rodgers, if it's more just like I'm being I'm being uh pouty, like I said, then I think obviously you can correct things. And again, I think there's enough receivers open on 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 enough plays where you like it's there for the taking. You know, Sammy Watkins wide open for a big play. He just decides to throw a flat route, not reading the play out. So I'm hoping I'm hoping for Green Bay's sake that this is just uh, something that needs to be fixed mentally. Again, I'm available for therapy sessions if he needs it. But speak <laughs> yeah, so but the ten and a half, that's such a big number that I you almost you almost I mean back to back MVP winner, mm-hmm. NFC championship game last year, or divisional round last year, like uh gotta believe in the Packers a little bit, right? Let's flip to the other side because we've talked about the old the old guys a lot here. 
Josh Allen. I mean, it's it's him and Mahomes. What like what does Allen still need to improve? I mean, the guy is absolutely carving. He has 106 pass rating against pressure. That's ridiculous. He's averaging like nine yards of play against pressure. Um, it seems like every every other play he's hitting either Diggs or Davis, you know, down down the football field, he runs the ball super effectively. Like as you think about him and then obviously Mahomes as kind of the two best in the league, like what is the thing that that if Allen did, you'd go, oh yeah, he's the best. He he's the best in the league. Or is he already there? I I think he's already there. Wow. I think tier one with with like I always say it like this, like I don't wanna there's no one better than Josh Allen. There might be some people on his level, and Mahomes would obviously be on that level, but there's no one better than him. Mm. I think that's, I mean, that's, he's all we did in our meeting on Monday with Chris was watch clips of him throwing rockets. Like we didn't even talk about anything else. Just like, let's just watch some fun Josh Allen clips. So, and, and he's doing stuff. He can make throws that other guys can't even dream. You know, we've talked about it a lot, the two high shells and the chiefs going through that little, little period last year where they, they didn't look like themselves. And then you get rid of, Tyreek Hill and they've kind of responded by Mahomes being the savant that he is which is just, and he's just taking you know these shorter games and they're and they're moving the ball super efficiently and with Allen it's like man I can just throw the ball over your two high safeties like I don't it doesn't matter like I'll just throw it mm-hmm. um you know he made it he made that 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 post throw that uh Gabriel Davis made with a one-handed catch over Mika Fitzpatrick Mika Fitzpatrick is just like you watch him he's like backpedaling and he's just like, well, I'm at the normal speed of backpedal that I, w- I would should be at, like that that I'm taught to be at, that I've been doing my whole life. And I know no one's going to get behind me, and I know the ball can't get behind me, and it just does. And, like, that is scary. And he's, like, the only guy who can probably beat his own um, kind of home field advantage, which is the wind in Buffalo, especially when it's going to get – you know they'll play. You know uh, for their sake, hopefully two games in Buffalo in the in January. So uh, I don't know what you can. Is he like the greatest processor and he's seeing things super fast? Like sometimes maybe not, but who cares? Like he's just so good. He's throwing routes. Like there was another. He underthrew this one, which you don't say very often. But just the fact that he was scanning from left to right, and you know generally quarterback plays as you scan as you go through your progressions it usually is high to low, right? Like we don't want to go wait, 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 four seconds while you're in the pocket and then throw the ball down the field. And he's going, scanning through his progressions, getting to basically his third or fourth read, and he's throwing a goat route down the opposite sideline of where he started his read. I mean, no one else does that. Again, he underthrew it a bit, so whatever, but just him feeling confident and kind of generally being able to do that is incredible. So I, I just don't, I wouldn't put anyone over him right now, except yeah. for you on a flag football field. Uh, that's the that's the key. Uh, biggest mismatch that you see here, Seth, and where are you going with your bets on this one? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think that the pack. It's not really a mismatch per se, but I think that the the Bills' offensive line and pass pro has been at least middle of the pack, and helped helped by, of course. Allen's ability to evade people and get out of trouble. If Rashawn Gary doesn't play, he's in concussion protocol right now. I mean, they don't have 
a lot of depth there on the outside. Kenny Clark's still a good pass rusher from the middle. Devontae Wyatt, their first-round pick, or, or maybe early second-round pick, hasn't played. So, you know, that's been really th- – that was their thing this year going into the season was like, okay, well, we don't have – we have two really good edge rushers. What if we don't have one of those two edge rushers? So I think that could be a good mismatch for the Bills um, Bills offensive line. All right. So does that mean you're you're rocking with the Bills? What are you doing here? I, I'm still new to this betting thing, but mm-hmm. 10 and a half, 11, whatever it is, sounds crazy to me <laughs> against the Packers. So I'm not re- – so, like, yeah, I would take – obviously I would take the Bills straight up, but I think I would still – Take all that those points if uh, if and and go with the Packers. What about you, Brad? Most points Aaron Rodgers has ever had, by the way, Seth. By I, th- I want to say a full field goal. I think eight and a half was the record. It's now up to eleven and a half. So uh, one bet I do like because I agree with you. I'm kind of afraid of the spread. If anything, I probably would go Green Bay. Um, is Devin Singletary under nineteen and a half receiving yards? Uh, I think a lot of times for guys like him, you're going to get receiving yards if maybe the team is down and there's some checkdown components to you're trying to make a comeback. You you don't see your downfield stuff developing, so you check it down to a guy like Devin Singletary to pick up some chunk yardage. I don't think that's the game script at all. I think they'll be up relatively early. I think they'll run the ball. Maybe he'll hit his over rushing yards, but I don't like him to go over 19 and a half receiving yards. I like it. Uh, I'm taking advantage of, um, you know, I, I agree. If I take a spread, I'm taking the Packers plus 11 and a half. I think they will have a little bit of success running the ball. I want to, even as, as good as Allen has been, those pressure numbers are going to regress a little bit. That's just how it works. Um, and with, as you said, a little bit of a middling especially interior of the offensive line with Kenny Clark in there. I think that caused a little bit of, uh, of consternation, but Eric Stokes, 50.1 PFF grade, 92nd out of 110. So I like Diggs, our highest graded wide receiver. Um, I'm taking him over, uh, over six and a half. If that's what it is, I don't see it in a lot of places um, over six and a half over five and a half. And I might play some alt lines there. I just think that he's going to cook these dudes. And so, you know, maybe uh, out to like, you know, over a hundred yards or something like that at plus money. That's where my head goes. Um, we have, we got a pet peeve out of Seth, which was fantastic. We were able to work some homeless into the conversation, which was also great. Seth, we appreciate you hanging out. I don't know how we'll, we'll cut the time down on this. We, we said we were going to try and keep it at 25 minutes. We haven't yet. Um, we'll work on it. We'll be better next week. We appreciate you, man. Thanks for hanging out. See you guys. Uh, before we go to Judah, I uh, want to remind you guys to go check out DraftKings, the um, unofficial sports betting partner of the NFL. Here's the thing. We just talked about like 10 different bets. Go get yourself some of that action before the lines move at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can go download the app on wherever you get your apps or go to DraftKings Sportsbook online. And here's the deal. Use promo code PFF. And get $200 in free bets if your team wins. All you have to do is bet $5 on a team to win. The, the Bills are the biggest favorite, I believe, this week. So you can go bet on the Bills and then collect those $200 and then bet them on the player props that we all talk about here. It would be a great one. I personally like multiple player props that we like so far, both Diggs and Godwin, uh, Andrews, Singletary, uh, Rashad White. You've got a bunch of options. Go make it happen. Um, at DraftKings Sportsbook, where you can use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets if your team wins with just a $5 bet. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Also, symbol, it's basically a stock market for sports. You can get $500 risk-free deposit for new users who join 
at the stock market for sports with promo code forecast. Uh, so if your dep first deposit comes with a 30 money back, 30 day money back guarantee, um, that should make sure that you are not hesitant at all. Go check it out. Uh, use that risk-free deposit to play around at S-I-M-B-U-L-L -L in the app store with promo code forecast for a free deposit of up to $500 risk-free. All right, June 4th gang, he uh, joined us last week, did a fantastic job. We talked about the Jets. We talked about uh, some of the live plays that we would make. I believe we talked Tennessee Titans again, and they came through again for us, uh, which was fantastic. Um, how did your live betting go uh, this past weekend? Any other things that, that you ended up uh, capitalizing on? Yeah, I actually had my best live betting week of the season. And really? it's also something something we talked about, which is I absolutely hammered the Chiefs. The second they went down 10 nothing, uh, I was betting the alt spreads. I got them minus 5.5 plus 340. Uh, and then as that kind of started to materialize, and they were still uh, around halftime, uh, like minus 1.5. Uh, plus 100. I just kept adding and adding and adding. Uh, it's like when you're when you're given the the one time uh, that a price is so off. I just kept on kept on going. Uh, yes. So that that really turned out great. Yeah, those at the uh, the hands of my my Niners. Um, was was it? Um, were you looking at any like data there, or were you just watching this game going, yeah, this is a joke, and uh, I can just see it with my own two eyes. Well, I was looking at some data, which is I knew coming in that the Niners are one of the worst teams coming back, uh, which makes sense, right? We all think that, like, you don't trust Jimmy G mm -hmm. uh, to kind of pass his way back into a game. So in that sense, like, I had an angle of if the Chiefs jump out, uh, then, you know, I have the Niners are probably not going to come back and cover. But also just, like, watching the game, uh, just, like, the Mahomes, it's a fluke interception. And, like, mm -hmm. seven points early don't mean that much when the Chiefs are might score 40. Uh, and there's nothing to suggest that, like, they're not going to score 40. Just one of their drives happened to end up in a turnover. Uh, so watching that, it was like, okay, I see a bunch of noise. The, the score is 10 nothing, And I know this is going to be the best price I'm going to get because I trust that the Chiefs are going to score a lot. Hmm. Uh, and I just pounced. Um, so it's a combo of watching the game and coming in prepared, knowing kind of what to look for. Did you end up capitalizing on the Titans? How did that go for you? I did. I bet them under, I want to say, the team total was like 25 and a half, which I got them. Uh, they did move the ball well, uh, but didn't score too many points on their, their first couple of drives. But still, they're so bad in the second half. Uh, I still able to capitalize. All right, let's uh, let's move on to this week. I hope that uh, I hope members of the printing press are capitalizing on this. I'm sure they are because they're a savvy bunch. Um, but this has been a lot of fun. Um, let's start with any uh, alt lines that you like this week, if there are any, and then we can transition. Uh, into what you're thinking about from a live betting game plan. Yeah. Uh, so one that I, I just wrote up on, on the PFF site, you can view on site or on the PFF app, uh, is the Arizona Cardinals. I like a minus five and a half. The lines keep on moving uh, somewhere between like 270 and 300 range. Uh, I like this for a bunch of reasons. Something I really uh, look for is kind of trying to source where market pricing is coming from. What's the market actually saying? Uh, what does the spread line represent? And kind of where can I source that information? Where do I agree with it? Where do I disagree with it? Uh, so right now, like the in-predict rating, which really just like derives the actual spread value, says the uh, Vikings are the ninth best team and the Cardinals are the 16th best team. I think by efficiency metrics, if you look at EPA, uh, drive quality, which is something that uh, I've sort of developed, 
they're right around league average. Both teams are kind of league average. But something that I don't think is being sourced in uh, is that we've talked about that the Arizona Cardinals are dreadful unscripted plays, or they were dreadful unscripted plays, I should say. And almost the uh, there's a lot of increasing returns with DeAndre Hopkins because he's the single best receiver, uh, or was last year, on scripted plays. He hmm. led the NFL in yards per route run and led the NFL in PFF grade uh, on those scripted plays. So the market's not really pressing in. Uh, they might be adding a point value of whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, half a point or a point uh, to the spread. But I don't think they're sourcing the fact that the area where the Cardinals are struggling most is the area where DeAndre Hopkins helps them. Right, So it's like they're diminishing returns if DeAndre Hopkins comes back for the Chiefs. There's only so much better they can get. But for a team like the Cardinals, who are so bad scripted and DeAndre Hopkins is so good scripted, it really adds. And then you just add in uh, kind of some matchup factors, which is DeAndre Hopkins played 27 snaps in the slot. Uh, Mike Renner tweeted about this, which is 17 more than he's played in any other uh, game with the Cardinals. That just so happens to be the easiest matchup uh, for the Vikings going up against Chandler Sullivan who is 103rd out of 112th in PFF coverage grade so far. So if the Cardinals are putting him in this slot, that's really an advantage they can press. And we know that Kyler Murray really likes to feed DeAndre Hopkins. He had like a 48% target rate last year. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Took <laughs> advantage like, of that last week. Yeah. Um, one last thing I'll say is that uh, Kirk Cousins is deer in the headlights uh, with the Blitz. His EPA uh, against the Blitz is negative 0.21, which would Oof. essentially turn uh, that offense into – a much worse version of the Carolina Panthers. Their EPA is like 0.15. Uh, and the Cardinals blitz 40% of the time, which is third in the NFL. Um, so I really, really like the, the Cardinals spot. Um, I like that for a bunch of reasons. Um, you know, interior pressure specifically with J.J. Watt and Zach Allen. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is particularly a pumpkin when it's up the middle. Um, Ed Ingram, their guard, has been a Halloween. solid run. Yeah, yeah, it's been a solid run blocker, but it's still coming along as a pass protector. And then, yeah, you mentioned Shannon Sullivan. Just the team as a whole, the Vikings are dead last for us in coverage grade in the slot. So when they're throwing safeties there, whoever they're throwing there, it's it's the lowest for us in the NFL. Um, so I love that one for sure. I had a question for you. You mentioned our, our Titans, your Titans. Um, one aspect to also, I had to say, I saw your live feed of you doing the live betting of the Chiefs and the Niners. It was electric. I would recommend pe- people watching along. Um, but anyway... For the Titans, do you ever monitor something like there is some rumblings that Ryan Tannehill might not play in this game? He injured his knee last week. They the spread opened at Houston plus four. They're now plus two um, at home in this game. Do you ever look into okay, this guy might start, but I'm going to watch this game, or I'm going to know coming in if Ryan Tannehill takes one big hit in the first quarter, he might leave this football game. Do you monitor any of that? Do you think it's already priced in, and there's maybe not an edge there? Kind of what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we'll have the answer there, which is depending on if Ryan Tannehill starts and what the line is, right? If it's minus two and Ryan Tannehill starting, presumably the market is pressing in the game with Ryan Tannehill starting. If it moves back out to three uh, or, or four where it was before, presumably they think uh, the opposite. So I, that is something I'm monitoring. And it's also something to kind of note while watching, especially if you're isolating on one game, which is like Ryan Tannehill's mobility is huge to his game. Right, if you're watching and you see they're not really running the read options, they're operating their offense differently. That's certainly something uh, I would look for. And like, then again, Daniel Jones is really hurt against the the Packers, and it looked like he was very hurt. And if you watch the first, you know, quarter and mm-hmm. a half, you'd assume, okay, he's got no mobility. And then, boom, he started running, and the Giants' offense uh, really took off. That's something you kind of got to balance, and that's kind of the beauty of like, we're all numbers people at heart, but at the same time, like, there's actually some signal from just watching the games and kind of having a good understanding of the game. Ryan Tannehill's mobility was not something I expected for us to be indexing <laughs> on, but it's, it's a really good point. I mean, I personally want to see 
Malik Willis with a like a game plan for him playing in a game. He comes in in the middle of these games and it's like has no chance, because, you know, and uh, that's that's a little frustrating. So I was kind of hoping that we might get that look, um, but I don't think they, they feel he's ready there. Let's talk uh, live game plan this week. Where where are you going? Uh, we've got a bunch of spots. Um, one I'll start off. The scripted stuff has been such dynamite uh, so far early in the season. I'm just going to mm. have to keep rolling with it. Um, it feels ugly, but the both the Commanders and Colts, uh, and I'll have reasons why uh, I think it's it's fine for Heineke and Ellinger, um, are terrible, terrible scripted. The, uh, I think, second and third worst teams, but actually get significantly better as the as the game goes on. Uh, and are more closer to like the 20 to 22 range. So I think we can start to see a very slow first quarter. The line's going to move down. We'll hop on, basically knowing that it should be priced in, that these teams really get off to slow starts uh, and get better as the game rolls along. I think that's a, an easy uh, kind of surprise. Me. Another thing is the, the Browns have been really successful early in games. We saw it last mm-hmm. week against the Ravens. Uh, and the Bengals have tended to struggle early, but that flips. Uh, the Browns have really struggled as the game rolls along. Uh, when Kevin Spancy has less of a, an input on the game, uh, and the Bengals, when Zach Taylor has less of an input on the game, actually get get stronger. Uh, granted, there's always risk with the Bengals, as we saw last week, of uh, you know explosive plays happening at, at any point in time. Uh, those are definitely two angles I'm I'm looking for. Of course, it goes without saying, Titans under until that market adjusts. Always yeah. play. <laughs> the Titans under forever, and, and uh, as we talked about Sunday night with Arjun. Um, the Titans first quarter, which, yeah. uh, you know, because of their scripted play success, you can, you can get that, um, benefit from that twice. Um, let's, uh, I, I'm making a path, Brad, this week, I'm going to try and channel my inner Judah and I'm going to sit there. Like you look like a day trader. Um, he does. Like the, <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's the goal. That I had this like, <laughs> I had this vision of, you know, Dave Portnoy does the like Danny Day Trader stuff. And it's, that's like complete comedy. Cause you're like, oh my God, you know, this is such a, you're, you're going to be hemorrhaging money here. But I got that same vibe cause I'm watching it on Twitter and I'm like, this is hilarious. Um, and you're like your joy at the numbers that you were seeing on the screen. It just, it just, it gave me Wolf Wall Street vibes, honestly. I, I appreciate that. I can't tell you how much fun it is. And then also just watching my own reactions and watching what I said, I, I get a great kick out of it. How many books do you have open? Or are you are you looking at one book that you hit? I'm looking at four. I actually, I, I got uh, an iPad from, from a different work, which really helped because for some reason I can't connect to the sports books on my computer. So I was actually doing yeah. it on my phone and I was also trying to follow certain games on my phone. Um, but I have basically all the apps open and I'm scrolling basically just monitoring scroll. lines. Um, I've got Caesars, BetMGM, DraftKings, and FanDuel. And I added BetRivers because they got the best sack props. So I haven't actually added that to the, the live betting repertoire. But we'll have, to get, we'll have to get some sack props in here. Um, needs, needs to happen. Judah, you can, uh, you can find all of Judah's content um, on PFF's app, as he mentioned. Uh, you can also follow him. A great Twitter follow. Really ins- some people just flood the zone with tweets, you know. Uh, Brad and I might be in that that category, but Judah creates some really insightful tweets, so you can actually get something out of it. It's at Throw the Damn Ball, man after my own heart. Thank you for hanging out with us. We appreciate you, and uh, best of luck as if you need it this weekend. Yeah, awesome being on here again.
All right, it is lock of the week time. We have back again, Tej Seth, our brother in Vishnu. Um, just to recap, last week, we wanted to redeem ourselves for uh, the week before. So we had a three, a triad of locks. We hit the first two with DeAndre Hopkins, the lock of the century. We should have, I mean, in fairness, I had about five uh, X what I had on that prop versus everything else that entire week um, to the point where I was out to dinner with uh, some friends and uh, I paid for dinner after he hit. <laughs> he got his sixth catch. Um, we had the Browns plus six and a half. That hit. We're not going to even mention the, the Patriots name. That was an embarrassment on their part. I can't believe that, Brad. Um, I don't know. It's all your fault. I blame you as a Bears yeah. fan. Uh, so we went two and one, but that got us back on the winning uh, side of things. So we will once again go through our favorite bets and pick a stone cold lock of the freaking week. Tej, you are the guest. You can get it started. Where do you want to go first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to the hand that we thought was going to feed us last mm. week, but ended up not feeding us. Uh, Patriots minus one and a half against the Jets. Uh, you know, if, if you really like look at the Patriots defense this year and kind of like their, you know, expected points added uh, against like the different types of offenses that they faced, every single offense that's faced them has had a negative expected points added. So they've performed at a below average level other than the Baltimore Ravens and the Chicago Bears. And I think the commonality between those two teams is really mobile quarterbacks that are used on a lot of design runs. And so, you know, Zach Wilson can move, but he's rarely used on design runs. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's he's the worst quarterback uh, in the NFL right now under pressure. And, you know, the Patriots get pressure on 35% of their snaps, which is the eighth best. And the Jets just lost their best offensive lineman in Elijah Gray Tucker. So I really like the matchup there. And also, I think there is a psycholo- psychological effect uh, as a play caller of not having your top rusher anymore mm-hmm. in Brees Hall. You know, I think like the difference between Brees Hall and James Robinson isn't too much, but the kind of like the way you approach the game as from a play calling perspective, they might put Zach Wilson into more dangerous situations, you know, causing turnovers. And I really think that the Patriots can get back on track this week. We talked about that on Sunday night and uh, I've got to say, you know, so uh, Brad and, and and Arjun and I were slacking because we, we liked jets on the look ahead or sorry, we liked the Patriots on the, on the look ahead here. And we're like, no, it was before the Monday night game. And of course, the Patriots look like absolute dog dog doo doo on uh, on on Monday night, and we're like, oh man, are we worried about this bet? And I'm like, I feel better about it now. Can you imagine what this week has been like for Patriots players? I mean, this must have been like I, you know, pray to God I don't go to hell, but like that's what hell must have been must be like is the Patriots after getting just embarrassed with uh but by, by the Bears uh, with an opportunity for. Um, Bill Belichick to pass George House. The only thing that worries me, honestly, about this one is that Mac Jones is playing. And I I don't know why that worries me so much, but he just looked terrible. I, Brad, are you are you maintaining strength with this pick? Um, or are you uh, are you out a little bit? I 
10%. Our buddy, our Belichick's buddy, Nick Saban. This is where I'm drawing my, my confidence from as well. Mm. They go out to lose to Tennessee, give up 52 points to Tennessee. They almost shut out Mississippi State the following week. I think it's the exact same scenario. Like you said, practice this week for New England has probably been, been hell. Um, so I still love it. I have no lost faith. The Mac Jones situation is bizarre, um, but I think he can rise above it. He's used to kind of quarterback battles and all that stuff. It's different than maybe a Sam Darnold or a Zach Wilson type guy that's been coddled their entire career. I think he can use it as motivation perhaps better than others. So I still love it. I'm glad that Tage took it first because I was going to take it if he didn't. Um, I'll, I'll jump into mine. It's another one that's kind of trying to counter the narrative and be a bit of a contrarian. It's the New Orleans Saints plus one and a half. I'll probably just end up taking the money line. But nevertheless, New Orleans Saints, um, I teased it with the when they were plus one and a half as well but I just love we talked about this look they had two pick sixes in the first half in a minute still lost by eight points they're getting a ton of players back for this game Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson and Debo did not play Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry did not play some of those players will be back in this game um, and the Raiders just yes they beat Houston by 18 points in that game they were down 20 to 17 with three minutes left in the third quarter they had a 75-yard pick six from Deron Harmon uh, off of Davis Mills. The Tex Texans were moving the ball pretty consistently against Las Vegas. So I think it's a great bounce-back spot. I love New Orleans in this spot. I like it. Um, I, we mentioned uh, a couple of bets that uh, on the player prop side of things, Tej, that I want to get your take on. Because I look at the board this week. There's not a ton of things that, that I love. Um, but I do love Chris Godwin over six and a half receptions against um, a, a Ravens team that struggles mightily in the slot, their slot corner, uh, 108th out of 112 cornerbacks. Um, and I also love Stephon Diggs over against uh, overs against the Packers with, uh, with Eric Stokes over there, just a 50 PFF grade. Um, Tej, how do you feel about those, by the way? Just want to get, get a little gut check. Yeah, no, I, I really like those, especially the Diggs one, because I don't think the Packers does a, the Packers defense do a good job of like, you know, handing off players as they cross in between mm -hmm. the heavy quarters that they play. And Diggs is great at, you know, exploiting weaknesses in, in the zone and Josh Allen will find them. So that, that one, especially I, I really like as a, as a prop bet. He will find them. Okay. Here's, here's the game uh, that I like. It is the San Francisco 49ers minus one and a half in Los Angeles against the Rams. And I love buying the Niners in this spot. They just got embarrassed. They've lost a couple in a row. They're playing a Rams team that they have owned that is weaker now in the one place that they can't be weak against the Niners than they have ever been. And that is the offensive line. Their offensive line is a complete and utter disaster. Their backup left tackle is now out and they have a backup there now. Um, Nick Bosa is going to eat in this game. Um, you know, this is still a wide open division. You have the Seahawks who are leading it, playing the Giants. So there's an opportunity here for the Niners to kind of get their, you know, what together. Um, and I mean, I think people are looking at this and going, yeah, I mean, the, the, we can't put this past three because, you know, it's the Rams, they're defending Super Bowl champion, yada, 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 yada. Um, the Niners and Kyle Shanahan own the Los Angeles Rams, they will continue to own them. The Niners offense against the Rams uh, over the past three seasons, or uh, sorry, the past season, past three matchups has an EPA per play that would be second uh, in the NFL uh, if it were their season long EPA. So they have been dramatically better against the Rams uh, than, than just about any other team um, that they play consistently. So love the Niners minus one and a half here. Tej, what's your next 
bet. Yeah, no, first of all, I, I love that pick as well. You know, the Rams have the lowest, uh, you know, EPA per pass in like high expected pass situations, you know, third and long when they're down big and the 49ers defensive line is going to be able to tee off on those. So I, 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 do, I do like the 49ers side there. Uh, I'll, I'll go with a player prop. Um, you know, I know Seth Galina mentioned this when he was on or alluded to it, and it's Leonard Fournette under 82 and a half rushing and receiving yards. Uh, you know, first off, PFS player props tool, you know, go check it out. Sees this as a plus 3% edge. But when you dig into the underlying metrics behind Leonard Fournette's season, he's averaging 3.5 yards per carry right now and a negative 1.2 rushing yards over expected, which is 29th out of 33 qualifiers. Mm. And so that's one of the worst running backs in the league. And the Bucs started to realize this last week, uh, you know, in, in neutral game situation, they had a 68%, you know, early down pass rate. And this was after having, you know, one of the highest uh, early down run rates in the league going into last week. And I think they realized that, you know, they're just not going to be able to play that well when they're, you know, wasting so many first and second downs by giving the, the ball to Lennon Fournette. So I think his usage is going to decrease in this game against the Ravens. And I also think that he's not, you know, an effective rusher uh, or receiver anyways to get to this 82 and a half number. Love, I love going. You just continue to hammer the anti-Lenny sentiment and uh, it continues to hit. So um, huge fan. Brad, what's your next one? Another overdrafted LSU running back getting uh, his snaps taken away by a rookie this year. We've seen it already in Kansas City, and now we're moving on to Tampa Bay. So um, I'm also going to a player prop for this one as well. Uh, I kind of love it even more after today's news, even though he might not play much. But uh, Kenny Pickett over one and a half interceptions in this game. It's plus 175, a couple books. Um, yes, obviously kind of a random, you know, there is some randomness to interceptions, but this this Eagles defense coming off a bye is ferocious. They're going to get a ton of pressure, and, and Pickett is going to keep making these rookie mistakes and throwing the ball down the field. He's going to take gambles. He loves targeting George Pickens. You know, he doesn't take as much of the underneath stuff. Um, as Mitchell Jabisky was, with his 5.5 yards per attempt, he wants to try to throw the ball downfield. Um, you know, Darius Slay and James Bradbury, one of the best cornerback duos in the back end. Obviously, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Avante Maddox in the slot. Um, I, I just think it's it's a battle of Pennsylvania. They're going to try to stay in this game, try to keep scoring. And we know that Philly does get soft in the second half. They're actually on defense, bottom 10 in e-paper play on defense. Yes, part of it is because they're up by so many points. But they let up in the second half. They kind of let teams move the ball on them. And I think Pittsburgh will try to throw, um, but that could lead to some turnovers, which we've seen from him quite a bit. So I like this spot a lot. I've got one more. Um, it is Monday night. I'm going back to the well here on Monday night. It's uh, Browns plus three and a half now. I like getting the hook here. Here's the thought process. Now, I, before I get here, I want to ask Brad, what's the, the Browns were really banged up last week. We were worried about that. They ended up covering against the Ravens. What is the health situation looking like uh, for the Browns? Because they were without Denzel Ward last week. They were without Wyatt Teller. I think Ninjoku has already been ruled out. But what what's the situation with the rest of that uh, squad? Yeah, I, I was going to say the Njoku injury, I think, is a pretty big one. Um, both, not sure right now because it's a Monday game, but trending positively for both Denzel Ward and Wyatt Teller. And obviously Ward in this matchup against Cincy, you need him to play in this game. Yeah. So I think, I'm, you know, uh, Jamar Chase, a little banged up there. I can see them being conservative. He, I mean, I guess it's not decided yet whether he's going to play or not. Not decided, no. Ward's concussion protocol, so we don't know yet. Uh, Chase, I think it's you know lower body, not not 100% yet. If he does play, I don't think he'll be 100% healthy. Right. So, look, 
the, the Bengals just blew the doors off of Falcons team that forgot how to play football when you're behind like it, it comedic there. And so I think you're getting a little bit of this immediately buying back on the Bengals who it wouldn't be hard for people to immediately get back on, on the wagon with because they went to the Super Bowl because they've got Joe Burrow, yada, 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 yada. The Browns spunky in their cover against the Ravens who are a really good football team. They're back at home. They did lose that game. They're two and five. They've, they've got to show up and get a victory here. You know, this is a team that wants to make the playoffs. They want to have themselves in a good position when uh, he who shall not be named scumbag himself comes back to play quarterback here. But they have an opportunity to run the ball against a Bengals defense without their best run defender and DJ Reader, who is on IR. There's also this uh, Eli Apple guy. He's 103rd out of 110 corners. You got Amari Cooper with the opportunity to take advantage of that. So uh, I do think at home on Monday night, getting three and a half, um, I do like the Browns. That is my last one. Uh, Tash, do you have anything else or we got to decide now? Yeah, just a just a quick one uh, that okay. I that I like. Uh, Cardinals money line. You can find it on DraftKings BetMGM for plus 160 around there. Um you know, Cliff, I think Cliff Kingsbury was getting tired of everyone making fun of his offenses falling off every single year midway through the season. So he's like, all right, I'm going to have DeAndre Hopkins sit out his first six games. I'm going to bring him back. And then Mike Renner, you know, had a really interesting point that, uh, you know, Hopkins played 27 snaps in the slot, you know, to get us our over receptions uh, on the, the game against the Saints on Thursday, which was 17 more than he's ever had in a game against the or with the Cardinals. So you can see that there's a different usage of Hopkins this year. They're using him, you know, in, in different ways to, to get him the ball. And then, you know, when you look at the other side, uh, the, the Vikings play zone at the second highest rate in the league. And Kyler Murray has a 0.05 EPA per pass against zone. And that goes to negative 0.15 EPA per pass against man. So he's been really able to take apart a uh, zone this year, you know, a lot better than man. And then, uh, Judah had a really interesting point about how, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league against the Blitz, mm-hmm. you know, negative 0.2 EPA against the Blitz and Arizona blitzes at the third highest rate in the NFL. So I like a lot of the matchups there for the Cardinals to kind of pull off this upset on the road uh, against the Vikings. They're getting three and a half uh, on the road. You like the money line at plus 160. Guys, I got it. I don't know where you guys are leaning. I'll let, I'll hold I'll hold my thoughts here for a second, Brad. What what are you thinking? I would just say if if the the two young wonderkins see Arizona eye to eye, it also opened at five and five and a half at some books, and like you said, is now at three and a half. Again, not a key number, but you know it has moved that direction. Um, mm. I you know I'm inclined to to take a deep long look at that one, uh, but I love going back to the wealth of New England Patriots. I think they could win thirty to nothing in this game, and I said that last week. I know, uh, but I, I think they can blow the doors off the Jets in this game. Tage, where's your head at? Yeah, no, I, I, I like the Patriots one. Um, you know, I'd, I'd also like the the Browns bet as well. Um, but I think the favorite one that you guys gave out was probably the 49ers minus one and a half. I think, you know, it's a it's a great situation, great matchup for them. And, you know, George, as you always like to say, uh, Sean McVay is, is uh, you know, going to be getting a trip, you know, visit from his dad this weekend in yeah. Kyle Shanahan. So I think we could see that play out in that game too. You always like to see a trip from dad. Um, I mean, my, my take here is that we, we go back to the well with multiple locks and we give a little trio here for the, for the people. I think we should, I think we should go with the, the Leonard Fournette one. I do like that one. Um, 
I don't know, maybe we do a little Thursday night Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin action. That could be fun. Um, I think I'm with you guys on on the Patriots as well. Um, the only thing that worries me a little bit about the Niners is they have some injuries, you know, on their uh, end of things. And it is still Jimmy G. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that that's that's the biggest worry that that I have there. So why don't we do why don't we do Patriots as one? Tej, what did you have uh, Leonard Fournette at? It was eighty two and a half rushing plus receiving yards. Okay, under under eighty two and a half rushing and receiving for Leonard Fournette. And then Brad, what what's our third one going to be here? If you don't love the Niners, because I actually took them on Sunday, um, you know, for our for our early look ahead. If you don't love that one, I'm a little worried about Cleveland. I hear all the points he made. Eli mm-hmm. Apple got benched in that game actually for rookie Cam Taylor Britt. He might not even play. That's right. Um, but I'm just I'm scared of and look, that's the guy who bets on the Browns every single week. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little scared about that one. I would go Saints. Um, maybe not a, a pick you guys like, but I, I love them. You know, in this spot. You know, here's the thing: we need some redemption from Brad. And his, uh, he's got, you know, a couple of teams. He's, he's went to school in New Orleans. He's a Bears fan. We, we've got to get that figured out. Um, so you have Saints plus one and a half at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I think we could do that. Is there a player prop maybe that sticks out? We go another player prop. We could go player prop route. Uh... The, the picket one was, was really good. I, I really like Brad Reason for that too. What's the deal? He's not supposed to play the whole game. What's the deal there? No, you're pro- is he not supposed to play the whole game? Are you thinking of Zappy and Jones? No, I I thought you said something to that effect. Oh we'll no, it's out. just the Eagles in the second half when they build a lead, they kind of sit back and just don't mm. do a whole lot. Which I think you know, so the Pittsburgh is going to keep playing, keep throwing, keep trying to throw their way back into this game, and I think it could lead to some errant throws right into the hands of you know Darius Slay and James Bradbury. What and what's that line at? So it's over one and a half is plus one seventy five. Wow, we have some. That's, ju- that's, a, that's a juicy lock right there. That yeah, is a juicy. Lock. Okay, so let's do this. Let's do your Saints. Okay, we'll, we'll take your Saints. That'll be our third, our third one, and then we have a couple. That, I mean, the printing press just we got to print over here. We have two <laughs> plus money, really tasty ones with the Cardinals at plus one sixty, and then Pickett over one and a half at uh plus 175 it's just going to be a smorgasbord uh of of locks this week um and uh hopefully they hopefully they all hit and we have a a wonderful uh wonderful weekend and here's the deal if they're if they're looking like they're going awry we still have the live betting uh, to get us back over the the hump there tej appreciate you we always enjoy the time uh that we get together even though you have to wait patiently either for uh practice to end or for seth to win a, <laughs> Um, your brother and Vishnu to, to shut up and, uh, and get on with it. Um, so thanks for hanging out. We will be back with you uh, next weekend. Of course, we'll be back with all of you on Sunday night. Um, so thanks for hanging out. We love you. We'll talk to you on Sunday night. Thanks.